Nation podcast. We are here again, and the offseason just uh, keeps on rolling. With me, as always, is Leo Luna of 49ersGoldMine.com. How are you doing, man? Hey, got one of my good buddies here joining us on the podcast, so I'm doing excellent. Uh, by the way, great intro, Nate. Our, our guests loved it, every single second of it. Uh, so we got here Javi Vega, uh, co-founder with me on the 49ers Gold Mine, as well as the 4th and Gold podcast. How are you doing, Javi? I'm good, man. I told Nate before we started, don't yell. And what does he do? He proceeds to yell. And uh, right on brand, baby. I, I love it. You guys have been killing That's it. That's how going. you start the show. We always start the show the same way. Yeah, I'm, I'm so monotone. Yes, I'm so monotone. Feels great, baby. Every time Nate just yells, <laughs> I'm like, yes, I'm for it. Keep, keep going because or else people are just going to tune off because I'm so damn boring. <laughs> No, you're the informative guy. I'm the hype guy, and it works. That's why this thing has gone as well as it has so far. Team effort. Team effort. I get it. I feel it. Team effort. Well, we brought Javier Vega on because there's a lot of stuff to talk about, and we've been wanting to have you on for a while, man. I mean, you're the man who needs no introduction at this point, pretty much. Uh, You got the 4th and Gold podcast. You got 49ers Goldmine, which thanks for Leo being my co-host on this show. I mean, how are you doing, man? Like, How how are you feeling about this offseason so far? Uh, I am tired of it already i think the offseason started week three to be quite honest you know right after jimmy got hurt bosa goes down solomon thomas goes down and you kind of saw the direction of the season i was like man well we're uh well there's no cursing there's gonna be a bleep there but uh there's a bleep there yeah yeah, well (laughs) well crap um (laughs) you know the season's just gonna it's gonna go down the tube pretty quickly if they don't get this stuff figured out with injuries and i think we've been in the offseason most fans I know myself, I kind of started looking at the draft like week three, week four, just because I figured it it was only going to get worse because things like that don't happen to teams and they they get better. It's going to consistently pile up, and that's exactly what happened. I mean, it just got bad from bad to worse, and I think that like it was weird because I think a lot of us were still, on this show at least, I was still pretty pro-Jimmy. Like I know last year there were some problems, but you know they got to the Super Bowl – and it felt like things were kind of, you know, were okay last year. And then we get to that first injury, and he never really returned. And from there on, we were just like, you know, it's time to move on. It's time to move on. And, yes, there's still people who don't agree. It's time not time to move on. But you were pretty much the main force in, like, it's time to move on at quarterback. You know, it sucks that we have to do this all over again. But, you know, what, what was the thing that really, you know, broke the camel's back for you? Honestly, week one. Um, I had been talking with a couple people from Twitter and just a couple of folks uh, that I work with on the in the off season. Not well, I mean, not work with in the off season, but people I know around the league who you know help me break down some tape and decipher some things. And you're looking at some things in the season. You saw what defenses were starting to do, and Kyle can only do so much as a head coach to scheme around his his players. Whether that be Jimmy, Nick, or CJ, you know, you're you're always looking to improve. And Kyle himself, you can the guy was aging. Week to week, you know, he went from 35 to 55 in you know, a matter of 16 weeks. Um, and, and it wasn't the Super Bowl that bothered me the most. It was week one that bugged me the most. You know, we can say we went about Dante Pettis as a receiver, but he was wide open several times. The throated KB under through, which I had. I got people in my mentions the entire last season when I, I brought up the concerns of Jimmy's deep ball. They're like, oh, he's fine. He's fine. He's fine. I'm like, no, that was a legitimate concern that I had, and I had, and I kept having it. Um, and then he hit a couple, you know, obviously the Saints won and the one against the Rams. So he hit a couple, but I, the concern was still there. Um, and what defenses were doing against Jimmy Garoppolo, um, every time he was playing, you know, we basically turned Debo into a running back, Ayuk is frustrated, visibly frustrated on the on the field, you know, with some of the ducks that were being thrown. It was just, you know, you you can sometimes it's better to move on and start over, especially with this team. They have a young roster. Well, not a young roster, but they have a lot of really talented blue chip guys who are young. And I don't want to end up in the Jeff Garcia era of football. Anyone anyone remember that? Like Jeff was good enough to keep you nine and seven, ten and six, get you a wild card win you a playoff game, but then you're out the next week. And I think that is the trajectory we would be heading in if we stuck with Jimmy Garoppolo. And the recipe for success right now is a rookie contract. I'm not saying to go get, you know, I'm not saying for the Niners to give away everything to get up and go get Fields or Wilson or, you know, whoever. But I think the recipe for success is to use a cost-controlled quarterback for the next four or five years 
build up the roster around you, around that quarterback. And let's let's keep this thing going because you already have blue chippers um, on this team. You got Kittle, you have Bosa, you have Fred Warner, Jimmy Ward. People can sleep on him all they want. I think he's a top five safety in the league. Uh, hopefully you get to bring back Trent Williams, Lake and Tomlinson the solid. There's there's plenty of good blue chip players here. Kim Law is pretty good. Eric Armstead's another guy. Like you have plenty of talent on this team to build around. And I think the Niners have talent at, at every level of the field. They're just missing that component of the quarterback. And I, I don't I don't need the Niners to go get a top five guy. I need a guy, I need the Niners to get a guy who's 10%, 15% better than Jimmy Garoppolo. And I think that 10 to 15% is gonna make the difference um between a 10 and 6 team, 10 and 6 team and a 13 and 3 team if you can't have similar circumstances that the Niners had in 2019. You know, I think we if we all go back and really rewatch all these games, you know, 4th and 2 may never happen again. 3rd and 16 twice probably doesn't happen again. Uh, you know, we were in that Ravens game. That's that strip sack or that strip fumble of of Lamar Jackson probably doesn't happen again. You know, there's just so many things that happen um you know, the fumble, the two fumbles against the Steelers late in the game, you know what I mean, after giving up yeah. five turnovers. Like, those things don't happen on a regular basis, and that was a special season in 2019. So I think the Niners, you're going to see a natural regression in the defense. You're going to need a little bit more out of your offense. Can Jimmy Garoppolo carry the offense to 28, 30 points a game? I don't think so. 2019, it was definitely a magical season. Magic. I, I was thinking to myself the other day was – Man, I wish wish I could relive 2019 because 2019 was just so beautiful. You saw what uh, the pieces they were able to put together th- through Shanahan's tenure with Kittle, uh, Sherman. He, there was a reason why he signed with the 49ers. Jimmy Ward, you know, having a career year. Nick Bosa was balling out as a rookie. Uh, I was man, I just want to go back to that moment and just relive 2019 all over again. And I'm glad you brought up Jimmy's deep ball because in 2019, a lot of people are going to throw out the stat. Oh, well, he had what the highest quarterback rating or the deep ball percentage, whatever it was. Passes. That That's where I was getting to is <laughs> he threw the least amount of passes on those deep attempts. And if you look at some of those deep attempts, you you mentioned the Saints game. That was severely underthrown to Emmanuel Sanders, and good thing you had the Saints defenders tripping on their own feet. Third and 16 against the Rams at home. Uh, it was another underthrown pass to Emmanuel Sanders. Uh, if he hits Emmanuel Sanders in stride, that's probably a touchdown that caps that game off. And then on some of those other ones is where you have George Kittle on play action running butt naked uh, down the field. So you... I look at those when you start reliving 2019 as far as inspecting the quarterback position, critiquing the quarterback position. A lot of it was drawn up by Kyle, especially the deep passes with the play action. And a lot of those were underthrown that just bounced 49ers way. The fourth down in Baltimore, Debo Samuel just making Marcus Peters look like an undrafted free agent. He had no idea what he was doing out there. He looked mm-hmm. like a two year old trying to catch a pot fly in the outfield. Uh, on that play that shouldn't have happened and so you start looking into that and you take away the emotional feeling of having a win the emotional feeling of being 13 and 3 as the one seed and you come out with damn they need an upgrade at this quarterback position because if they can they have a lot of blue chip players on this team you only have Debo Samuel for two more years on a rookie contract Yep. How much is he going to cost as a free agent? My guess would be, what, $16 million? Because that's what they have other free agents, according to PFF, costing for wide receivers that accomplish as much as Debo Samuel has in two years. Absolutely. Yeah, it's, it's crazy. I mean, looking back at that season, like you said, it's magical. It was special. Um, and, you know, it, J- Jimmy deserves some credit, though. He's had He had his moments that season, you know. So we won about the guy. He, you know, he made some plays at those two third and sixteen passes. The, you know, guys getting rocked. He he took like six, seven sacks in that game. He was getting absolutely destroyed back there, and for him to stand in the pocket and hit those throws, yeah, it was underthrown against against Sanders, but he got rocked the play before uh, by Aaron Donald and and Clay Matthews. So you know, for him to stand in there, I give him that. He's he is pretty tough. Um, you know, we, we don't, we don't know the circumstance circumstances behind his ankle issue, but 
you know, that 2019 season, I just don't think it's going to happen again. And for the Niners fans, I, I'm guilty of it. I was all on the run it back tour. You know, we're getting back there in 2020, blah, 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 blah. And I, I just, I didn't really, I, I didn't listen to my, my brain instead of, you know, I was listening to my heart on that one. And Kyle Shannon speaks about it a lot. If you either, you either stay the same or you're getting worse or you're, yeah, yeah. Some, something like that. And they stayed the same and you can see the flaws right away, right when they started playing um, in the 2020 season. That first week, it was just like, okay, we know there's issues here. Um, so this offseason is huge. This is this is probably the biggest offseason in the Niners have had in the last 25 years. Absolutely. Well, let's let's bring up this. Miami made a trade. They got mm-hmm. Isaiah Wilson to play yep. tackle for their team from the Tennessee Titans. All they mm-hmm. did was swap seventh round picks, which it can translate into the Miami Dolphins not taking a tackle at third overall like Panay Sewell. Mm-hmm. Now, with that door being open for the 49ers potentially trading up, obviously they got to, you know, gather the feeling, seeing what Miami's feeling is with moving back to 12, if they feel good about it, what's going to be their price on it. I'm just going to lay out a pure hypothetical. If it's costing the 49ers two first-round picks and a second to go move up to pick three or three first-round picks and Javon Kinlaw to go get Deshaun Watson, which one would you do? I'd rather go to three and get a rookie and have the Mm -hmm. rookie contract. I think that's what Javier was saying is, you know, like we thought so much about, you know, you know, we had Jimmy and it was fun because, you know, he was this new quarterback. He had a lot of talent, but we were still paying him a lot of money. Like at the end of the day, you know, when you're, you know, granted, we saw Dak Prescott today, his contract was announced um, and he's getting paid over 40 million. You know, you don't want to pay a guy 40 million because you don't win the Super Bowl if you pay a guy more than 40 million. It's just never happened. So then when you think about Kyle and what he's been able to do with, you know, pretty much garbage rosters. I mean, if you think about the season that, that Jimmy came in, you know, they were awful. Like that roster was terrible and they came pretty close to winning a lot of those games. And so I, you know, a lot of people come on this show that, you know, any podcast Niners related, and they constantly talk about how, you know, Kyle doesn't want a rookie. Kyle doesn't want a rookie, but I don't think if Kyle doesn't want a rookie, okay, that's Kyle. But if they get a rookie, they're still going to be, really talented because they have Kyle Shanahan. And the thing is, if you have that small hit at cap, you can go get edge rushers, you get corners, and you can go build a defense similar to what they had in 2019. This is where I I would object with the Kyle doesn't want a rookie is when you, they gave up a second round pick for Jimmy Garoppolo. Talk Uh, to him, Leo. Talk to him. And (laughs) with Jimmy Garoppolo, he had to teach him a whole new system mid season that, that, for a guy that has not started a season in his career, or even what he started two games, did it, he get hurt the third game? In the NFL. Yeah, so he's a guy who hasn't had zero NFL starting resume. Mm-hmm. What's the difference from giving up a second round pick and going with Jimmy Garoppolo as your franchise guy after only you starting him personally five times, paying him yep. all that money compared to drafting a rookie in the first round? What I see is I see no difference because. That Jimmy Garoppolo investment is a lot more than an investment from a first-round pick because, yeah, you're rolling the dice on a 12th overall pick, but you're not paying him all that money that you pay Jimmy Garoppolo. So that 12th overall pick is not going to limit you when it comes to the salary cap. Yeah, absolutely. I'm I'm all in on a rookie. Um, I've done enough film work. I'm not a film expert or anything, but there's no nothing – that shows me on tape that says a rookie couldn't run this offense. I'm sorry. Kyle splits the field in half currently for his quarterbacks, and he asked him to pick a side, pick a read, and go. Um, you know, so all that bull crap you hear about Justin Fields, the one-read quarterback, that's nonsense. Um, same thing with Lance. You know, these guys, Kyle makes it easy. Kyle, has a, it's, it's a quarterback-friendly system, and he's made it really, really simple for all three of his guys. And unfortunately, the two backups just can't can't execute it consistently. And you see what competent quarterback play is with Jimmy Garoppolo, and you win 13 games. Um, the problem now is he's just he's expensive and you're on a down year in cap and you have to figure some things out. So yeah, I'm I'm of the belief Kyle is changing and he is evolving and he is looking to 
have sustained success. And how do you do that? You have sustained success on cheap contracts and a cheap contract with a rookie. Um, if you if you hit, you know, let's say let's say they love Justin Fields. If you hit on Justin Fields, you have four years of cost control. A fifth year option, five years from now, who knows what that's going to be? But by then, you should have at least made a Super Bowl, had several playoff wins, and you're you know you're rolling, and you can keep replenishing the roster around you. We saw, we see it all the time. Now, you know, it, it, Tom Brady is the outlier. You know, the guy is making ten Super Bowls or whatever. But I think Kyle would like to make two, three Super Bowls in the next fifteen years, and I think that's yeah. his goal. So you you do that by building the roster around a rookie quarterback, and then of course once it's time to pay him, then you make your other cuts that you need to make. I don't you don't, you think the Chiefs give a crap about that half a billion dollars they gave to Patrick Mahomes? No, they don't. They got the guy right. They're going to build around him and they're going to continue to compete. Now, if they make a whole bunch of Super Bowls, cool. If they don't, they're still going to be a playoff team for the next ten to fifteen years. There's no re- unless Patrick Mahomes breaks his foot or something, they're not going to miss the playoffs for the next 10 to 15 years. And that's kind of the plan. We are the San Francisco 49ers. Like, we're fans of the 49ers. They had, what, the longest run at one point of the most consistent playoffs because they had the quarterback correct. And they had two quarterbacks correct, Joe Joe and Steve. And then even Jeff Garcia came in and made a couple playoffs. So you want to get this right. And I think Jimmy's good enough. But at the cost right now, it's just this season is the cost that's just hampering them. Um and you know they to me they haven't committed they they you can't flirt to, it's like the girlfriend like oh yeah babe I was only I was just talking to her I, I wasn't doing nothing you know what I mean <laughs> like the Niners have a girlfriend but they're consistently looking at other chicks and that's kind of how I, I think what they're doing right now so let's talk about these other chicks real quick you know like we obviously you have your own podcast where you've given your own rankings on these quarterbacks but I want to know what you know, yet. Who, 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 oh, you haven't given your rankings on? Yeah, we could do it like here, though. It's cool. Okay, are you cool doing it here? All right. Of course. So, I like, you know, for a long time, we were, you know, Zach Wilson number one for all of us, you know, because Trevor mm-hmm. Lawrence, I just don't think is attainable. And I think that, you know, at this point, it's starting to feel like maybe Zach Wilson isn't attainable. But I think that, like, me and Javi have been Zach Wilson. I'm sorry, me and Leo have been number one Zach Wilson for most of the time of this show. So, I mean, I imagine you're probably the same. Uh, yeah, I have I have Zach Wilson as QB one. Period. Like period. Like ahead of Trevor Lawrence, I have Zach Wilson ahead of ahead of Trevor Lawrence. And it was cool. Your last guest said the same thing, and I was like, "Oh wow, I feel vindicated." Because I'm no I'm no quarterback <laughs> expert, you know what I mean? And other guys have brought it up, and um, I think I was one of the few. I took so much crap on Twitter for being such a Zach Wilson like truther early on. Oh, you don't love Jimmy Garoppolo? Like I just like quarterback play. Like I I like Zach Wilson as much as I like Deshaun Watson coming out. So I think I think he's going to be good enough. I think Zach Wilson has elite ball placement. I think Zach Wilson is probably the best processor of the five top five guys. Um, and if you know for some reason he falls to you know eight nine, Diners better pick up the phone and make something happen. Um, then I go Trevor. Um, I, I just don't with Trevor. I think he just has the highest floor. Like he's going to be good regardless. I just think he's. People are going to hate this, but I think he's Jared Goff, but with wheels. I don't think he's anything crazy great. Um, I don't think he's improved since his, what, freshman and sophomore year at Clemson. I think he's had elite talent around him the entire time. I think he's a one-read quarterback. They gave Justin Fields a whole bunch of crap, but really Clemson just asked him to do one thing, look left, look right, and figure it out. Um, Then I go Justin Fields at three. Four is Mac Jones, and then five is Trey Lance. That's where I – those are my five, and then – the rest of them, they kind of fall to the wayside. I kind of like Davis Mills more than I like Kellen Mond and Kyle Trask. I like those guys better. But th- those would be my top five. And Kyle should definitely be looking at at least three of those five. Oh, yeah, totally. Like, that's the thing is, like, we our guest last yeah. week, it was kind of crazy because, you know, I'm kind of anti-Mac Jones, you know, just because he's not the sexy pick, which is what we talked about a lot. You know, he's this... You know, he's like Jimmy, but with better traits, better processing. And, you know, you're bringing that in. It's not as fun as like having a Justin Fields or a Zach Wilson. But I mean, like we've said, the rookie contract with a Mac Jones, it just makes sense, you know, to bring that guy in, you know, because and then the other thing is like, how many times do we really think the 49ers are going to have a chance to pick this low where they could go get a top five guy? You're like, I just with Kyle, it's just not going to happen that often. You hope. You hope yeah. it doesn't happen that often. Um, <laughs> but it, and that's my thing. You know, um, I'm not a Jimmy hater or anything like that, but 
you know, this is a time to reset. You can kind of correct your mistakes of 2017. You took Solomon Thomas when you should have took Deshaun Watson or Jamal Adams or Derek Barnett or traded back more because you needed more assets anyways. But um, this, it, I think this is the year to reset the most. You, you, you're pretty much swapping out your defensive coaching staff. You got some new offensive coaches in there. You have a roster turnover of more than what, 50, 40%. So you're, you're going to get a whole new, like whole new locker room. You might as well just go ahead and get a whole new quarterback if you can. And you're picking 12. The idea is to never pick in the top 10 or top 15 ever again, as long as you're the head coach of the San Francisco 49ers, Kyle. So why not take advantage of it now when you can? So I would, if I'm the 49ers, I'm calling Miami right now. Hey, what's it going to take to get to three? Because at three, you're guaranteeing yourself a quarterback whether that's Wilson, Fields, Lance, whoever it is that Kyle likes, you have to take a swing. The Niners, I think the Niners have, if Russell Wilson gets traded, they'll have the third best quarterback in the division. Say what you want about Matthew Stafford. I think Matthew Stafford is an elite quarterback who's just been buried in Detroit. We all know Kyler Murray is pretty damn good. He just needs a better head coach. I think Cliff Kingsbury is a fraud. Um, and if Russell still stays, and Russell's still a top three quarterback in the league, so, you know, you have one of the toughest divisions in football with just quarterback play alone before you even start talking about everything else. You know, Kyle's just got to get himself a guy. And I, I don't know how Kyle can watch. I don't know how Kyle can watch his quarterback, his quarterback's play, and then look across the field and see Russell kicking his ass, Kyler Murray kicking his butt. We saw what Josh Allen did to him, a mobile guy who can move. He's got big arm, great processing. Like, what are you doing, Kyle? Like, your system is great, but it's something that I've always been, I've been saying the last couple of years is like, Kyle needs to let go of that his system makes the quarterbacks and allow the quarterback to make the system because you need a little bit of both. You know, Kyle, great. You're a great play caller, but guess what? Sometimes you need your quarterback to bail you out. And it's hopefully one. And I think Justin Fields is the guy. I think Zach Wilson's the guy that can do that. Um, The other guys, maybe, maybe, maybe not, but you know, this love affair with Mac Jones that people keep harping on. Yeah. Great. He has great pockets, pocket awareness. We saw him in the senior bowl. I'm not, I'm no quarterback expert, but I was not impressed. Like from a physical standpoint, I literally saw this man fumble six, seven times in a row. Um, he he had like one great throw that made Twitter world implode, like explode. And then the next play, he throws this lazy out route. I'm like, what are what are we doing here? So it's just, I that's why I have him fourth. So I, I if I'm the 49ers, you have to get an athlete, get an athlete at quarterback, please. Well, also, I think a lot of the reason for having Justin Fields higher is because of his ceiling. Uh, Mac Jones is not going to get anywhere towards Justin Fields' ceiling, while I do believe Mac Jones' floor is higher than Justin Fields. Uh, I don't think it's that much higher, but I I do believe that to where Mac Jones could come into this offense game year one with Kyle and and ball out and have not a lesser season than Jimmy Garoppolo had in 2019, uh, because I think his floor is that high while yeah. his floor is that high his ceiling's not very high because his physical straights are very very limited at the nfl he's gonna face a whole lot better pass rushers yeah the sec is great but it's not the S- N- uh, nfl to where you put say his alabama team last year they get smoked by the jacksonville jaguars that's the difference in, in the talent scale is mm-hmm. you're getting the best players from every single school and every single conference not just mississippi state <laughs> so so i i would have to go justin fields as my priority and i think i would trade up for him and do whatever it takes miami wants because miami's not going to want more than two th- two ones they could probably go with, with two ones a, a two and probably a future three and and that gets the job done and this this draft class is deep for what the 49ers need this draft class is deep as far as they need corners Absolutely. great deep at corners they need interior offensive linemen great mm-hmm. deep at interior offensive linemen uh i think they need a third receiver Great. It is crazy deep at wide receiver. So this draft class sets up so well for the 49ers in the future to where they could afford to give up some draft capital considering they have 10 picks in this year. And you mentioned, you know, Javi, you talked about this idea that, you know, Kyle needs to go get a guy because I think it was you posted on Twitter. It's something that Chris Sims said where um, he's sick of, you know, having everything, him having to do everything. Like he wants a guy who bails him out every once in a while. And, you know, it, it feels like 
as this offseason that feels like it's been forever has grown on and gone on and gone on, you know, we're hearing more and more stuff like that out of people that Kyle, we know Kyle knows. We know mm-hmm. Kyle knows Chris Jones. We know Kyle knows these guys. And so, it's, you know, they're never going to say what they're going to do because we all know it's Kyle's team. It's not John Lynch's team. It's Kyle's team. We all know that. They're never going to say what they're going to do, but it's starting to feel like maybe they know in their heads that this is the plan, you know, this year, that, that they are going to find a way to get this done because, like you said, deep dra- like deep draft class. They're still one of the better teams in the division, you know. They're still one of the better teams in the NFC. The NFC isn't super deep, you know. Like, yes, Tampa Bay is going to be back there again probably, but they can beat Tampa if they can figure out this quarterback situation Get this defense, you know, we'll talk a little bit more about this defense because there's obviously something we want to talk about with the corners and stuff. Of course, yeah. Everything is setting itself up for this team to compete again next year. Absolutely. And, you know, the time is now to go ahead and get the quarterback. Reset that position. Um, It allows you to reset your cap space. It allows you to look forward to signing Nick Bosa in two years. Are we convinced that the Niners are going to spend $120, $130 million guaranteed on Nick Bosa yet? I'm not because you let DeForest Buckner walk out the door. Um, you know, people can say that's hate, but that's just the, the facts of the matter. You know, we, we know how the struggles to get George Kittle signed. We know what's going on with Trent Williams. He's denied, he's declined two contracts. He had dinner with Kyle and Chris Forrester the other night. So we'll see where that goes. You know, the, the Niners have an issue with stars, I think, when it comes to signing them. But at the very least, go ahead and fix your quarterback. Just fix it. Like the rest of the league knows that you're looking. The rest of the league knows that you've been interested in two years. Uh, the rest of the league has kind of figured out what Jimmy does well and what he doesn't do well, and you see that on tape. Um, and this, this Leo brought it up. We were at the Senior Bowl. There's, we just interviewed me and Matt. Just interviewed Ben Benjamin St. Juice. He had a really great meeting with John Lynch at the Senior Bowl. He had a great meeting again with the Niners a couple of days ago. He told us that. Uh, I spoke to Keith Taylor from UW. He had a great meeting with Kyle Shanahan. They're looking at corners in this draft because it's deep. Uh, David Moore, a kid from Grambling State, he was at the Senior Bowl. He said the same thing. He spoke with the Niners about. Uh, you know, his his role as a as a right guard for the 49ers and a center. Like they're looking at this draft and they're they're focusing on a lot of these senior bowl guys because these are the guys that are most recently played. And um Austin Watkins, we did Austin Austin Watkins, same thing. He spoke with the Niners. The, the Niners need these depth pieces, they can get them later on in the draft. So if you have to give up a little bit of capital in your early rounds to get a quarterback, you can still fill the rest of the holes with some really talented guys in this draft. The wide receiver in my opinion, the wide receiver group is is strong. The corner group is strong, and center and guard um, on the offensive line is really strong. Now the edge rusher group, that's where it gets a little shaky, in my opinion. So that's why if you let Jimmy Garoppolo go, then you can go pay a Carl Lawson. You might be able to go pay a Yannick Ngakwe. You know, see what Minnesota's doing with Daniil Hunter. Like what's going on there? You know, there's gonna be a lot of guys that are gonna come free. Uh, Adam Schefter said something that really hit me a couple days ago. He said March 10th should be a very active day in the NFL. And I don't know what he meant by that, but I, you know, we're starting to see cuts, and we saw Dak Prescott get signed. It's gonna be a busy week this week, um, so you know the time's now. Niners, just reset it. Let's go. You got a good squad. Like, come on. Yeah, I'm gonna just echo off of that. It's to where okay, if you give up the 12th overall pick and you still give up your second round pick, which is a very very valuable pick to go move up and get three. There's a ton of talent at third, fourth, fifth, which they do have three selections in the fifth round on um, you could even find starters on this team next year in the sixth round. Uh, I, I think safety is a position they need to address if they don't resign Jaquaski Tart, because although I am a fan of Tarvarius Moore, I did look at his quarterback passer rating. It was like 130 uh, against. So it was really as well as three touchdowns. Uh, compared to Tart, I think his quarterback rating was about 50 to 60 points lower. Uh, so it is a position of need. And someone that you've had on, on your podcast, Divine Diablo, you could probably find him in the fourth to fifth round. And he's someone that can yep. start day one based on his college experience at Virginia Tech. And hey, I, he broke down a great play. Uh, that was when he intercepted Trevor Lawrence in the back of the end zone. It was to where they were playing cover two. He kind of just sat there and tried to bait the quarterback that they weren't playing cover to, and then he jumped the route for an interception. So this kid is very smart, and what he said on your podcast was something that he needs to get better at is being in his position at the snap of the ball because he tries to bait the quarterback a little too much. And 
So that to me, when you're able to bait the quarterback <laughs> at a division one ACC with guys like Trevor Lawrence in your conference, who's going to be deemed the first overall pick when Trevor Lawrence was in high school. And that just shows how smart and athletic divine Diablo can do is process that pre-play and then get there during the play. Um, so there's kids like that just sitting there in the fifth round um, you have interior offensive linemen like Kendrick Green, who's going to be, what, a fourth-round pick? So you could get these day-one starters uh, from... It doesn't have to be in the first round. It doesn't have to be in the second round. That's why you could give up those two first picks in order to get Justin Fields, which I, I'm sure we a lot of us could agree, and then there's going to be a whole lot of us that disagree, that Justin Fields can do what Jimmy Garoppolo is doing right now maybe even better by week six, seven, eight, nine. Absolutely. Like, that's the biggest thing is, you know, it feels like if you bring Justin Fields in, maybe there's a little bit of growing pains. You know, maybe if you go to the home opener, you're not having as much fun because there's a little growing pains there. But at the same time, there's nothing Jimmy Garoppolo is doing. Nate, did you see the home opener last year against the Cardinals? Granted, there was no fans, but that was the home opener. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like I, there could be some growing pains, but I still feel, you know, come on. It's me. You're talking about, come on. I yeah. know I, it feels like Justin Fields comes in and by mid season, he's an immediate upgrade. They look better and they have the potential to be contenders for more than just 2019. They have the potential to be, like you said, go to at least three Super Bowls in the next 15 years. And, you know, you take this risk now but you're taking it on a guy that Kyle is a lot more familiar with than a Zach Wilson. You know, like I love Zach Wilson, but ever since you posted the picture and kind of brought me on to the whole idea of this quarterback collective, which I didn't even know about until you posted about Javi. A lot of people didn't. They take credit for it, though. It's all good. You, I'm, I'm giving you credit. Niners Nation. Not you, not you, right not now. you specifically. <laughs> me and Leo know who. It's all good, though. It's all good. But like, you know, you posted that picture of Kyle standing there with Justin Fields, and it was like, you know, a light bulb almost went off in my head where I was like, you know, he knows this guy better than he might even know Jimmy Garoppolo at this point. Like, you know, you spend a summer with a kid like that. You learn a lot more about him. You know, mm-hmm. you train him, you know, and then you bring him to the NFL and that's your guy. That could be a very special pairing, I think. Yeah, you know, and, and it's not just that one summer in 2017. It's been every summer since he was like 16 or 17. So, yeah. This group of quarterback, uh, the quarterback collective, whether that is Kyle Shanahan or, Ray, or Sage Rosenfeld or Lafleur or Stefanski, these guys they all work together. Like this is this like this whole brain trust of these guys that we see running the same offense. And Shane Day is his head coach at Ohio State, who's also part of the QB collective. So if anyone knows the most about him, it's going to be Shane Day. And who would Shane Day tell that to? Obviously, Matt and Mike Lafleur, McDaniel's, Stefanski, and Kyle. You know. The QB Collective is ran by uh, Richmond Flowers. That's Kyle's agent. You know they they're not they're not very subtle about their their stuff when they post on Twitter. It's like, yeah, you know, we really like this kid Justin Fields, and you have Kyle Shanahan right next to him. So you know, it's just one of those things. Um, and you know the fam- the familiarity. You know, we, you know who knows? Maybe he doesn't like Justin Fields, but he's at least familiar with him, and he knows what he's capable of. He knows what he can do. But I think I don't know how you can turn on Justin Fields' tape and be like, no, I don't want that guy. You know what I mean? Um, so I would, I would be all in on Justin Fields. I'd be all in on Trey Lance. I'd be all in on even Mac Jones, but Mac Jones is not the sexy guy. It's just time to reset. And I don't want to be, I don't want to go back to the Jeff Garcia days, you know, where you're just good enough to make the playoffs. You know, yes, that, that Giants playoff game was great where T.O. steps on Jason Seahorn's chest and stuff like that. But, um, you know, (laughs) I, I want to be able to be a team that's in the NFC championship game, at least every other year. I kind of I kind of want the Niners to be like the Seahawks. You're getting 10, 11 wins every year. You're in the second round of the playoffs consistently, guaranteed pretty much. Um, that's kind of where I want to be. I want to live in that area. Like I can, you know, you can deal with that. Whereas I'm not trying to go back to Tom Sula and Chip and you know the Mike Nolan and Singletary era. Like that shit's that stuff's annoying. So 
I also feel like if you're looking at Justin Fields, you would be more critical watching his tape than Justin Fields being in shorts and a t-shirt like Kyle Shanahan is with him. Uh, He just has so much physical traits to where if you're seeing him in shorts and a t-shirt, there's no way you're not going to like Justin Fields. Um, Of course. It's even if you put Jimmy Garoppolo in shorts and a t-shirt, Jimmy Garoppolo's going to look really, really good. So with that aspect, it's like, why is Kyle Shanahan there? Is he doing it because he loves, you know, developing high school quarterbacks or is it, is he there because it's sort of a long game to try and figure out where the quarterback position is going, what's coming in in the future, who's coming in the future, and let me get my head uh, ahead of the curve rather than waiting until later where it's considered tampering. Totally. And, you know, like the guy that I actually want to ask you a little bit about, Javi, because I think, you know, we've talked to so many people over the course of this offseason so far, but like, I feel like we still don't know enough about Trey Lance. And, you know, we talk about the fact that he played for North Dakota State. Mm-hmm. And the guys who are playing are probably going to be working at Verizon next year. Like, and I don't like to, I don't like to judge the school. Like, that's one thing that you've been pretty adamant about on Twitter. You know, what is the, the thing about Trey Lance that, you know, that really, really stands out to you? You know, like, yes, he played for North Dakota State, but it feels like there's more than just him being, you know, great in just that division. It feels like he has that potential that, you know, if he sits, he could be, you know, a really great NFL quarterback. Um, With Lance, everything that I understand of him is he's very, very smart. Like he's bright and he would be able to pick up this offense. Um, He's running a lot of similar stuff that Kyle runs now. I think the biggest thing with Trey Lance is with Kyle Shanahan, he, he wants his quarterbacks to turn their back to the defense and then flip back and the pictures reset. The defense looks completely different from pre-snap to post-snap, and he's able to process pretty quickly to get to where he needs to go. And I think that's the biggest thing that Kyle might like about him. And that's something that I like about him a lot. He's able to run the play action kind of sim- kind of like the way they want it, like the way they want to. Uh, he can turn his head and he's resetting and he's scanning the field the way Kyle would like him to scan the field. And in this Kyle, in the Kyle Shanahan's offense, he has at least one or two guys running wide open always. So and Lance has the physical attributes to get get the ball where he needs to get it. And if that's not there, he has the physical capabilities to run and move and make a play. You know, go back again, going back to being able to bail Kyle Shanahan out, and that's something that the Niners have been lacking. Uh, whereas with Jimmy Garoppolo, not to knock the guy, it's just. How many times he'd, he'd run that play action and he would throw it right to a linebacker, whether that's an interception or an incomplete interception. He did that so many times over his course of his Niner career. Um, it's just, and I can understand why Kyle gets so frustrated about it. Um, with Lance, I, I wish he played one more season so we can get more on film. The more you can get, you get a better grasp of his tape. But I, I thought his t- 2019 tape was so good. It's like, damn man, like what, what else can't this kid do? And you know, everyone wants to knock him for that one that one game that he played. It's like it's his first game. I think they had like a week to prep for it. You know, what did you expect the kid to do? And he still played pretty well. Um, I'm not looking for wins and losses. QB wins is a stupid stat. Um, Absolutely. <laughs> and you know, he played he played fairly well. And you know, for people who who hated on Zach Wilson's Coastal Carolina play, performance, it's like how many throws, how many NFL throws did he have in that game? He had so many, and that's, that's oh, yeah. what I'm looking for. With one of the, with these young guys, the NFL throws that Trey Lance can make, NFL throws that Wilson can make, Fields, etc. There's just these guys have so many physical tools, and I'm I'm kind of looking at it as like a baseball player. You know, when you're a baseball player, you want like a four or five tool player, right? And that player is going to be a starter. He's going to be a long time solution. And when I look at Mac Jones, I see two or three tools. When I look at Fields, I see four or five tools. Same thing with Lance um, and Zach Wilson, and that's kind of how I look at it. You know, not to be like a baseball analogy, but that's I think that's kind of the best way to put it. You have guys like Fields who can move, process well, good arm strength, tough. You know, obviously, I think he broke his rib in that Clemson game, and he played all the way through it. You know what I mean? So you you want four to five tool guys in the NFL at quarterback position, and I think I think Lance has it. I think Fields has it. I think Wilson has it. Obviously, Trevor Lawrence has it. So those first four guys are going to be ideal. I just – oh, I'm just so tired of the Niners and their quarterback problems. <laughs> Ever since Steve Young, we've had a quarterback problem. <laughs> what about their cornerback problem? What do you think they're going to go ahead and do with that is Jason Brett's going to test the market. I, I really find this interesting because I think I was marking his salary 
around ten million dollars. But according yeah. to PFF, they do their mock, and they're they're generally close. They're not on the dot. They're not really too high. They're not really too low, but they're pretty close. And they had Jason Verrett at five million dollars projected per season. Um, but rumors are he's going to test the market and say if the 49ers are coming in at four million dollars. Of course, he's going to test the market and where his market says he's worth five or and he realized the 49ers are a whole lot closer than what he was anticipating. Yeah, there's a chance for him to be back Um, with the Kella Witherspoon. uh, There was they gave him chance after chance after chance in 2019. But then in 2020 came, it seemed like he was just in Kyle Shanahan's doghouse. Wasn't he was in gym clothes on Sundays rather than being on the active roster until he mm. finally got his chance because his defense was so depleted. Emmanuel, well, Emmanuel Mosley, he's going to be back. Richard Sherman's obviously not. Jamar Taylor, like what's going to happen with him as far as a veteran nickel corner? What's going to happen with Kwan Williams? That's interesting because the Jets, in his hometown, and they have Robert Sala and they have cap space. And I think uh, PFF also had had him at around five million as well so it's pretty tricky it could be a whole new yeah. faces there uh, or whole new numbers since you don't really see their faces with helmets on where do you really see them going do you see them bringing anybody back and who would that be i think they're bringing akello with a spoon back um i think you bring akello back on the cheap I know, Leo, you're probably looking at me funny because you're not the biggest Akello guy, but I am. I like Akello. I think he has the tools to get it done. I know his inconsistencies are, are there, but I would bring Akello Witherspoon back, and then I'm looking at Desmond King in free agency, bring him in as in your nickel corner, and then you go back to the draft, and we talked about it. This draft is deep at corner. I don't think you're going to get – to me, picking a corner at 12 would be super dumb. You know, I, I would <laughs> never pick a corner that early. Um like this, this is not the old NFL where you need shutdown corners all over the place. I think you just need serviceable corners. You take your premium positions there, you know, edge rusher or whatever. I would strongly look at Benjamin St. Juice in the third, in the fourth or fifth round. Keith Taylor, early third, late fourth, whatever that may look like for him. Um, and then, of course. You know, there's there's a couple guys that are in free agency. We talked about AJ Bouye. Our guy Jason wrote a good piece on AJ Bouye as a veteran uh, piece that can come in. There's just a lot of talent at this cornerback um, draft room. You know what I mean? So if you're looking, uh, you got Elijah Molden, Kelvin Joseph out of Kentucky is another one. Ambry Thomas from Michigan, Trill Williams out of Syracuse is a solid one. I do like this Kerry uh, Vincent Jr. out of LSU. These guys can be had later, and you can make this work. So, you know, what? how did the Niners succeed last year in, the, in their past, or in the 2019 season? Their pass rush got helped out their pass defense. Um, and, you know, Sherman wasn't playing that great. And Emmanuel Mosley, we saw what he was without a pass rush. So, I mean, I'm not certain I would even want Emmanuel Mosley back. So, I would just go reset this whole secondary and go spend some money on a pass rusher. So, whether it's Carl Lawson, Yannick Ngakwe, whoever that may be. And I'd still draft a pass rusher in this draft, too, because you, we saw you could never have enough pass rushers as well. So, uh, the cornerback room, bring me back a Keller Witherspoon. Maybe Jason Verrett comes back, but I don't know if I want to spend five, six million dollars on a guy who's had a long injury history. And we all complain about the Niners, Niners injuries. I would go with Akello, bring him back because he is, he'd be a veteran, obviously. He knows the system. When he does play well, he he played some of the best football of his career those last five, six games last year. And then some bargain deals on the free agency as well as uh, like Xavier Rhodes. He's a right. former pro bowler. He played and he played well last year. Yeah, he played really well for the Colts. And then the someone Forrest I look Buckner at helped that team so that much. Had tell you. <laughs> that had a bad year. That had a bad year and could bounce back in the right spot is Quentin Dunbar. When Quentin Dunbar Absolutely. was in Washington he was like the second best corner when it came to the analytics. He was the second best corner in the NFL came to the Seahawks. He had that off season saga to where we don't need to get into that, but he had that off season yeah, saga. No, we're good. We're Did good. you say saga or saga? How do you pronounce that? What's going on? Uh, stole some money from some people. I go no, I'm saying you pronounce it saga. I said saga. That's all. Oh, okay. 
You said it funny. It's okay. I know people who say taqueria funny, so it's all good. That's um, fine. Taqueria. Come on. We're Hispanic. We're Hispanic here, and you're trying to correct me on the English language. And, and so w- with Quentin Dunbar's his numbers, he was he was kind of awful this year, and I think a lot of that had to do with how bad Seattle's pass rush was the first half of the season. Those guys were having to cover from anywhere between five to ten seconds playing man on man because that's what they run in seattle they got rid of that cover three zone and they've been running a ton of man over there so he's getting stuck in man coverage with no pass rush eventually you're playing against nfl wide receivers they're going to get open shocker um but because of that and then he got hurt and he was out for the rest of the year on the ir and then when you look at the the nickel corner uh, free agents yeah, I would love K1 back for sure. Um, but you're going to have younger options out there at possibly a cheaper price or maybe around the same market. And someone I look at is Mike Hilton from Pittsburgh. You don't hear that guy's name mentioned at all. Last season, he had three sacks and had a quarterback rating of 60.2 against. And then another guy is Brian Poole from the Jets. Shanahan knows him from Atlanta. He he played well with the Jets last year. It's his quarterback rating against was 61.2 with no touchdowns given up. Kwan Williams, yeah, yeah, he dealt with a lot of injuries, but he was about 20 points higher than the both of them on quarterback rating against. So, yeah, I do believe that when healthy, he's the best nickel corner in the game. But there is other options out there, and the drop-off isn't that much. And we saw that this year when they had Jamar Taylor in there. Jamar Taylor played fantastic. Um, I think with Jamar Taylor, you didn't see a drop-off from coverage. You saw a drop-off more from being a blitzer from that slot corner. Um, even Dante Johnson, <laughs> when he was in there, you take away that Cole Beasley game, and he was pretty good. And and that's hard to say because he's been on this team for like the past, past 50 years. You know, there's so many options they have at corner. And, you know, like you said, Javi, you know, this team's pass rush was the reason they got to the Super Bowl. Like, the secondary was good. It wasn't, it was, you know, it wasn't anything amazing. The pass rush was there. So, you know, you get Nick Bosa back. You get Armstead. You, Kinlaw's going to take a step, we hope, right? Like, I, I imagine, you know, we saw some stuff from Kinlaw last year that, you know, it shows that he's getting better every game. I think he's going to be better. I don't think he's going to be DeForest Buckner but I think there's talent there. And I think that they'll look at maybe drafting another pass rusher. And so when you look at this draft class, you know, you say it's deep at pass rusher too, or you say that there's, you know, what kind of pass rusher are you looking at? What kind of guys are you looking at, you know, to bolster this pass rush, you know, to help out the rookie quarterback they potentially might get. Um, If I'm looking at a pass rusher, I'm looking at a guy like Ronnie Perkins. I'm looking at a guy like Patrick Jones. I'm looking at these guys who Ronnie Perkins is, is more of like a D four type, you know, he'll give you that speed off the edge. Whereas, Patrick Jones is a little bit more versatile. He can slide inside. He plays outside. We saw that at the Senior Bowl. He played really well. Rashad Weaver, I think he might be even better than Patrick Jones. Both Pittsburgh guys are really good. Carl Basham out of Wake Forest. They're, this is the top of the edge class is going to be good. So you're going to have to get one of those guys in the first three rounds. Um, but you know you st- you're still able to do that. Then there's a like the high effort guy Wyatt Hubert out of Kansas State will be another one that you can look at that I would be really interested in getting. Um, so there's there's guys, you know, it's just a matter of finding the right guy to fit the scheme, a guy who's going to be able to bend the edge, and I think that's the biggest thing for this defense, having someone that can bend the edge the way D4 did, that's going to be helpful. And, of course, when you have an elite pass rush, you want to make sure you have a rotation. So getting back to where you have a rotation of seven, eight, nine guys like they did in 2019 – you have you keep the pressure on the quarterback and you're you're speeding up his clock. When you speed up his clock, then DBs can play a little more aggressively, a little more freely. That's why you saw Keller Witherspoon with a pick six. That's why you saw Kwan have his you know a couple of interceptions in 2019. Sherman, of course, then of course Jimmy Ward breaking the passes. Fred Warner was you know everyone else kind of feeds off that, and you're you're not having to send extra blitzers. You got you know you, you rush four, drop seven, and that's kind of what the Niners want to do anyway. So. I'm I'm looking to get an edge rusher in this draft, and I'm looking to pay for one too. So, uh, if I had my choice, it'd be Carl Lawson, and I'm drafting Ronnie Perkins. Like those would be my two ways to go. Like because that way you have similar types with Ronnie Perkins and Carl Lawson. 
Yeah, I I think that's great. Uh, Carl Lawson, I think it's going to be really hard to afford, um, especially when you they extend Trent Williams because I absolutely do believe that's going to get done. It's happening. Don't worry. It's going to happen. We know it's going to happen. Yeah. They had a so, nice dinner. From what I know, they had a great dinner. Perfect. <laughs> you heard it here um, from Javier Vega that they had a last great Thursday. dinner last Thursday. Lobster or steak? No idea. Kyle We're not paid. sure, but he, he, <laughs> I, I, he, he has something. He has something on his plate. But getting back to the past rushers, it's yeah. That's why we saw Killer Witherspoon have a pick six, and that's why we saw Sherman have a another all pro season. And they could get back to that because the main piece is getting Nick Posa back more than anything. And if you could have another guy there on the edge, uh, maybe you could bring Kerry Hyder back to where Kerry Hyder doesn't have to start because Eric Armstead starts on the edge and, and then comes in for pass rushing situationals and then that's when you could bring in Kerry Hyder but I would love to have someone on top of Kerry Hyder like a Carl Lawson or a Ronnie Perkins or maybe some other speed guy in the draft uh <clears throat> it's because we we saw you have one injuries one guy miss a game it could really affect this defensive line um to where you had basically quarterbacks like Aaron Rodgers building his own house back in the Bay Area because he had so much time there. So I think it's very smart of Kyle to build the team through that way to have, you know, basically your front defensive line, uh, especially with edge rushers. There's a reason why they're one of the highest paid positions in the NFL. And to continue build it, bring back Kerry Hyder because I think he, he works really well for this team. He could maybe spell Bosa when Bosa's tired. So bringing back Bosa from injury doesn't have to be out there for 80% of the downs in a game, especially in a game that they may be ahead by two touchdowns or two scores. And you bring back, you bring in someone like a Carl Lawson or Ronnie Perkins, or even some other guys via free agency or the draft. And you help out that team, build that identity, get back to it. I'm even okay with getting another three tech because you never as we saw from this 2020 team is you never know who's going to get hit with injuries or when they're going to get hit with injuries and should have kept julian taylor yeah they cut oh my god i was so mad about that julian taylor uh i was a big julian taylor fan because it, it seemed like every time we'd seen him in there whether it was preseason or the regular season yeah he may mess up sometimes with gap control but there was at least, in those limited snaps, a play being made by Julian Taylor. And so that's why I was a big fan of him. I wanted him to be- develop more because I thought he could have been something. Totally. I mean, and, you know, you think about this team and the biggest factor in them being able to do what they want to do is getting rid of that Jimmy Garoppolo contract. And it's not we're not getting rid of the Jimmy Garoppolo contract because we think he's bad. We're getting rid of the Jimmy Garoppolo contract because you don't need to be paying a guy who is literally doing, you know, what we, I think what me and I think you, I think everyone that I've talked to on this show or anywhere on Twitter who, you know, at least knows a general idea what they're talking about, you know, we shouldn't be paying a guy who's doing the bare minimum this kind of money. And when you're just doing the bare minimum, you know, there's no reason to be paying this guy $27, $25 million when you could go get Carl Larson, Carl Law. Carl Lawson, you know, you can go get, you know, Akela Witherspoon on a nice long-term deal and, and, you know, watch him grow and become a great corner in this system. So it feels like, you know, Justin Fields at three, you know, you, you, you get Justin Fields at three. We do the introduction, all that fun stuff. Garoppolo then requests a trade. They trade him off to the Patriots or they cut him. Whatever they end up doing with him, he is gone by June 1st. Allows them to save money, maybe sign more players or just, you know, set the house right. And so then we go into 2021 with, you know, the plan is probably going to be Justin Fields at quarterback. That's going to be their plan. And, you know, it's, it's, it's always this weird idea to think that, you know, Justin Fields is the guy this year. That's what it is. It's, you know, you're going to put a rookie out there and he's going to be the guy, kind of like what, what the Cincy did with, with mm-hmm. Joe Burrow. But it feels like with the 49ers and with Kyle and with, you know, the weapons that he's going to be handed, they have the potential that even though it's a rookie on, a you know, his first year, 
they could still potentially. I would like to to propose this question: Would you rather roll with Jimmy another year, or would you rather roll with a trade up to get Justin Fields? And what you use with Jimmy's contract money is what they'll be saving on: an edge rusher, a slot corner, and a veteran center. You could literally fit those three positions as starting salaries by getting rid of Jimmy and trading up for Justin Fields. So you get a th- basically a four for one. Correct. Give me that four for one, yeah. please. Yeah, no, I agree. And, you know, part of me is I've been preaching this on Twitter or on the pod. It's all about timing with the Niners. You know, they have to figure out what they're doing by March 17th, in my opinion. You know, you cannot let Trent Williams hit free agency. You have to make a move to get to three now. And I mean, when I mean now, I mean March 17th. By then, you have a guaranteed spot in the top three. You can select your quarterback. Then you can pretty much say, look, Jimmy Garoppolo, thank you for everything that, while you've been here. New England offers, offered us whatever that may be. You send Jimmy off to New England. You have that extra pick um, that you can use in the trade to go get up to three. Or you know, maybe you don't even use that pick. You have it in your bag for more options. And then, you know, you use that $27 million on top of the 28 currently that they have, you know, after Richburg gets cut, whenever you do a D Ford, you have, you get close to $60 million in cap space and you can go spend a little bit. And I'm not saying to spend everything on free agency. Cause I don't think free agency is the way to build a team, but if you can bring back your own guys, obviously Trent Williams, if Jason red is an option to bring back, uh, of course, like hello Witherspoon. Um, maybe you go pay, like, it's like we keep talking, we keep bringing up Carl Lawson, but maybe you go pay, Yannick and Gakwe a little bit more, you know, you can get that kind of guy. Um, maybe you go see what's going on with Norwell out of, at, in, in Jacksonville. You know, they, they, the Jags are trying to cut him or figure his salary out. You know, you can get him on the cheap. You, you need improvements on your guard and, and offensive line. Maybe you go pay uh, Austin Blythe, former Ram center. You know, you can do those type of things by getting rid of Jimmy Garoppolo's salary. We all know the holes on this team, and I would think – I think they would want more of a veteran presence at the edge position and a veteran presence at the center position, as opposed to a rook, you know, a veteran quarterback, you know, whether that be Danny Dalton or Fitzpatrick or whatever. But I would go, go get an Austin Blythe at center, figure out what you can do at the edge rushing position and just save the money. And it's all about timing with the Niners. You lose leverage. You know, I, I read my mentions all the time on Twitter, like, Oh, we should just cut him now. Like, do you, any of you guys understand how to run a business? Like that's the, how you lose leverage. Like you just don't give away your asset without having something else on the way back. So you have to leverage this thing the right way and the, and time it correctly. And I think that's the thing the Niners have been what they've been doing this entire time. They've been calling around, gauging interest on Jimmy, gauging interest on what Teddy Teddy Bridgewater Bridgewater's worth is. Um, any other potential quarterback that might come available? Sam Darnold has been a name that's been thrown around a lot engaging Jimmy's potential trade value versus those guys and seeing out what they can do there. But it's all about timing with the Niners. And I really do think there's going to be a rookie starting at quarterback at the beginning of the year. Yeah. Me, me and Leo both believe that we've been, you know, saying that for weeks. Uh, thank you for coming on Javier. I really appreciate it. I've been a big fan of you. I really enjoyed, you know, all the content you put out and I really wanted to bring you on my show and you know, you didn't disappoint. So uh, is there anything you want to plug before we head out for the night? Uh, no, just the usual stuff, you know, uh, follow myself on Twitter at Javier Vague underscore, check out the podcast at fourth and gold podcast. And then of course, uh, 49ers Goldmine on Twitter at 49ers Goldmine. Um, check out all the great content. We have some really good authors and writers over there, um, doing some really good content on draft material and prospect scouting and just, you know, season recap stuff. Um, whole team doing a really great job. Um, and, you know, hopefully this gets better and bigger. And uh, everyone out there, we do appreciate all your support. Totally. No, it's great. If you haven't checked out their stuff, you totally should. And, Leo, is there anything you want to plug before we head out for the night? Well, Javi already took uh, plugged in the gold mine stuff for me. So uh, just follow me on Twitter, Instagram. It's, a, it's the same handle, at LeoLuna93. That's my guy, Leo. <laughs> <laughs> and if you want to talk quarterbacks, you want to talk anything about the 49ers as we get into this week of cuts or, you know, free agency, uh, you can totally follow me at Niner Nate 49. And uh, I'm always on there talking nonsense, everything. I'm glad you said nonsense. Yelling. Yelling. I'm all- <laughs> 
Yeah, I, I am talking. I'm not going to deny and say I'm not talking nonsense. <laughs> a lot of the time it is nonsense. What I'm just saying is like, you know, there's a lot to talk about. There's a lot to break down and, and it's going to be a really interesting off season and we'll see how it ends up. Um, we'll see what happens. You know, next week is the week. Next week is the big week. We'll see where it leads us. Uh, here's hoping they don't F this up, right? We will see you next week on the Niners Nation podcast. I got to yell a little bit. Uh, take it easy. Justin Fields is going to be the quarterback. We'll see you next week.